the biggest thing that when I was going through something that I always needed to hear was that you are so loved in this life and you are so needed. You are everything. Hey there, my name is Sean, and this is Suicide Noted. On this podcast, I talk with suicide attempt survivors so that we can hear their stories. Every year around the world, millions of people try to take their own lives, and we almost never talk about it. And when we do talk about it, many of us, including me, aren't very good at it. So one of my goals with this podcast is to have more conversations and hopefully better conversations with attempt survivors. I'm certainly going to keep trying. And I want to thank all the attempt survivors who have joined me on this podcast to share their stories so openly and so bravely. I really appreciate it. And to everyone out there around the world who has listened to these stories, thank you. Please keep listening. Let other people know about this podcast. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. It really does help other people find it. Now, we are talking about suicide, so this may not be a good fit for everyone. Please take that into account before you listen. I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn. And if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out, hello at suicidenoted.com or on social media at Suicide Noted. Today, I am talking with Haley. Haley lives in New Hampshire, and she is a suicide attempt survivor. Hi, Haley. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. Thanks. Where are you? I'm curious. I'm in New Hampshire now, but I grew up in Massachusetts. All right. Yeah. So I just moved in here about a couple months ago. You like it? I do. It's a much better pace and like... It's just a different environment up here. It's not not in and out of the city all the time. It's really nice. And what's your sweatshirt say? <laughs> Tom Brady. <laughs> no. Of course. Of course. <laughs> it's been a while since I've truly talked about my story and like opened up to it. So I was like, all right, I think it's time that I really need to do this for real. That's great. I appreciate yeah. you reaching out and trusting me. And I'm glad like her doing this and then sharing with you then was part of the reason why you did it. So it really does help people talk about this stuff when people. Exactly. Hear that other- yeah, it's huge. I mean, I always have wanted to talk about my story and just kind of give hope to other people, but I've always struggled with opening up about it on social media. And, and like, that was the hardest thing for me is like, you know, when I graduated college, I kind of put it out there, like, you know, my past with depression, but I've never truly told anybody my story about what had happened besides like a couple of close friends that truly know me, but I never really like got raw with it on social media. And I was like, I want people to know that like, they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I try to do it as much as I can on social media, but I have always struggled with like, truly putting everything out there from the judgment and everything. So I was like, I think it's time for me to truly open up and, you know, talk to somebody about it. 
So a few people in your life, close friends, know the story or a big part of the story. Actually, my parents are a huge part of the story. Um, without them, I wouldn't be here today. So, I mean, I just, I'm really thankful for them to like have that backbone. I think at first it was a lot, but my parents were the reason I'm here today. And I truly like couldn't have been here without them. So. No, and I appreciate you. Appreciate you doing it. Yeah, no, thank you. I, I really love this platform for you. Like this is something everyone needs to know about and talk about. And it's so amazing for people to share their stories and to truly, you know, kind of, you know, talk about everything. And it's just so important. And I really appreciate everything you're doing because yeah, yeah, this is awesome. Well, let me ask you a question before we get into the Haley story. Why do you think we'll spitball it here? Why do you think it's there? I mean, why are there so few spaces for people to talk about this stuff? Why do you think, and this is sort of a two-part question, at the spaces that do exist, we can use social media as an example, are risky to do it. Why? For me, it's been judgment and hate from others. Like I've always been worried that people are going to be like, oh my God, this girl is ridiculous. This isn't true. I don't believe her. And I just was always so worried about that judgment and that critique Mm. from others. And I just never felt comfortable doing that on social media. And a lot of people are so judgmental and that's so sad to say, but it's so true. Mm. And I was so worried. And, you know, I was always worried about judgment from others growing up and I'm a perfectionist. So like, that's huge. That's huge for me. And I was always worried about putting my real raw emotions on social media because I was Mm. so worried that people would unfollow me or, or I felt like I didn't have that platform to share my story, Mm -hmm. which I know that kind of is insane to think about, but I don't know. I just was always so afraid. Yeah. to come out and talk about it. And and also this particular podcast in which we're not just talking about, let's say, depression or anxiety or another mental health condition. This is its own thing as well that is less okay in a lot of people's minds. Like Depression, a lot of people can have that conversation. Some will be jerks about it and judgmental, but maybe a little less than it used to be. Exactly. Suicide, I'm not sure if the needle has moved much. I remember when this all went down and I wanted to be open about it with people. And this is no judgment to my parents, but my mom was like, I don't want you telling anybody. I don't want you telling your grandparents. And I was like, why not? Mm -hmm. Like, why can't I let my grandparents know my truth? And my mom's like, well, you just don't know how they'll react. And I'm like, that's unfair though. Like, I want to be able to tell my truth to my family, my close family that I love. And if not them, who? Exactly. And especially like I'm so close with my grandparents, I want them to know who I truly am and what I went through. And to this day, I have never shared this with my grandparents ever. Mm. And same with like, I, I've never actually opened up to my sister about this either. I mean, she was somewhat aware. um, And I told her I was doing this podcast, but like, she doesn't know all of it. Mm. And she doesn't know like what my parents and I went through. And it's like, my mom really wanted to keep it hush hush. And I was like, that's unfair because I want to be able to open up about my past. And I want people to know that they're not alone and that there's always somebody there for them. I just always felt like by putting anything on social media that I was kind of letting my parents down. 
Mm. in a sense, because I was like, they told me not to say anything. So why am I going to say something? Right. Yeah. That's so, understandable. It makes sense. Exactly. So do you think that your parents, your sister, maybe your grandparents will hear this? I hope so. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I hope so. I hope they like, I hope they like truly know like what happened. So, I mean, my parents know everything <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, they don't know everything, but they know the majority of it. So do they know how you feel about not being able to tell your grandparents? No, that's different. Think, that's a little different. I know. Thing. Yeah, 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 that's true. And I think like my grandparents, my papa passed away when I was a freshman in college, but my Nana Joan, who was 85, like, I really wish I could be open with her because we're so close, like, especially during this pandemic, like I have been the person to go get her groceries and like, you know, truly like talk to her. And like, we've had like really deep conversations and she knows I go to therapy. Like she knows I have like depression, anxiety, but she doesn't know about the attempt or about the times I went through in college and high school. And so it would mm. be nice for her to hear this, but my, all, my all Nana doesn't have any internet. So <laughs> maybe you'll have to make a house visit. Yeah. With your I iPhone so. or your phone. Yes, exactly. And then you know yeah. what? Anybody, sister, friend, parent, grandmother, they can hit pause. Yeah. If it's like, oh, it's getting a little too much, just hit pause. And you, but I imagine it must be uh, challenging for them to hear it. It's yeah, gotta be very, I, very hard to hear. Yeah. Exactly that, like their loved one has thought about something like that. So, right, but not hearing it doesn't mean it didn't happen. And not continuing to talk about it doesn't mean it didn't happen. So, I think that's the hardest thing for my parents is that, like, so my mom, like, after everything happened, my mom kind of just pretended to like pass by, like, push it back and like not say anything about it. Mm -hmm. And to this day, even like when we talk about my depression, she goes, oh, you're fine. You're doing so much better. Yeah. This is not directed at your mom at all. Yeah. Just my take. I think if more people knew that that act, those acts of you're fine are hurting. Exactly. Are making the situation maybe worse. Yeah. They might maybe would find a way to not do it. I don't want to simplify it. I'm not at all directing this at anyone in your family. But I think we do that a lot. And I think the value of allowing somebody to talk about it, so powerful. That's why I do the podcast. Exactly. Um, And I think it's so powerful. Uh, It's just like so tough because it's like, as much as I want to say I'm fine, every day I'm not fine. Like, you know what I mean? Every day is a new day. And it might be a day I don't want to get out of bed. And a day that like, I have to continue to keep going because this is life and I have to keep going. But like, I wish that like I could be open and raw with my mom sometimes, or like even my parents that like, I'm not okay. Yeah. And that like, I almost feel like because I put them through, put them through quotations um, so much in high school and college that I feel guilty being like, I'm not feeling good. Like I'm not Mm. okay. And like, I don't want to put this on them, but like at the same time, it's like, I wish I could. You know, I had somebody to lean on besides just my therapist. Because I meet with my therapist, what, once a week? That's not enough. No way. Not even close. So, nope. <laughs> sorry. Like, not enough. So right. it's like. Not enough. It's, yeah. No, it's never enough. So. Like, it's it's a safe bet that, all right, now that that happened, it's over. Is Nope. It's not over. No. It happened. I mean, over. the event is over. Yes. Exactly. But 
okay, and I survived it. Now what? Yeah, it's a lifelong battle. And I just don't think she wants to believe it. And it's like, it's so tough. And I think this comes with every parent too. It's not just my parents and it's not, but it's every family that this happens to. So it's tough. But and I don't, I don't have kids. Like I get the parent dynamic is especially difficult for sure. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. I would imagine most of them, and I'm really imagining, I don't know, like they just don't want to see their kid in pain. Exactly. But yeah. the tricky part is when they sort of deflect, they're in, in a way almost causing more pain. Exactly. Exactly. And it's and like, like well, and how do you like be open about it and like just say that to them? And as much, and I do, I'm very raw with my parents. And I'm like, I don't understand why you're not like listening to me. Like, why you're, why is this just like going in out and out? of one ear and out like it's just it'd be nice yeah. if you could get it a little bit yeah for sure but all right so you 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 frame this as your story yes right so i and you've probably told this story at least yeah. a few times in your life i don't know if it yep. changes a little bit just because you know you tell stories different ways each time where uh does this particular story begin for you when I was a freshman in high school and I'm 24 now. So I was about 14, I want to say. So about 10 years ago. Okay. I attended an all girl high school, which was really tough. And so I had like a group of friends in ninth grade. And then my papa was dying of lung cancer and I felt like my whole world was crumbling. And that's when everything kind of hit the fan, I guess you could say. <laughs> So over that summer, my papa passed away. I just like went into a deep depression, you could say. And my friends didn't want to be friends with me anymore. Before you're a freshman in high school, dealing with any sort of major depression, anxiety, other than just, you know, kind of normal teen angst, or was there stuff going on? Oh, no, there was anxiety for sure. I think it really, my anxiety started when I was in fourth grade. And I like can pin it back to them because fourth grade was a horror show. Like mm. I would cry every day before school. I would have, my parents would drag me to school. And I remember, so that was a terrible year for both me and my parents. <laughs> and then I almost like, I want to say I had rituals. I would count to four mm-hmm. every single time I would like pass a house. I would have to count like by fours. I couldn't listen to music before I would go to bed because I wouldn't be able to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. So like, I think it really all started when I was in fourth grade, when I started to cry every day from school. <laughs> and then fifth grade was the year I started to cry over grades when I didn't get straight A's. It was like the end of the world for me. Sixth grade. I was like, okay, you could say like I was having a good year. Seventh and eighth grade. I found boys. And that got a little worse because my anxiety got like all over boys, all over, like trying to be perfect for them um, and trying to be perfect for my family and perfect like school wise. And so my sister is three years older than me. She was a really smart. She's so smart. And I just wanted to be like her. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to be as smart as her. When she got into this Catholic school for all girls, I was like, I need to get in too. So everything was basically, yeah. And I got in, I got in, (laughs) but like, I think 
my anxiety really started when I was in fourth grade and like no one really picked on uh, up on it. I'm sure that my school nurses were probably like, yeah, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like my parents didn't or they didn't want to believe it. So. so that anxiety is building over your, several years. Freshman in high school, you're dealing with depression after your grandfather yes. dies. Tell me why do you think, and I guess you may not know the answer here, so it's a sort of guess. Why would your friends, specifically your friends, not people you don't know, yeah. why would your friends want to stop being friends with you or choose that just because you're depressed? So basically what happened was I was really close with this one girl. When my grandfather passed away or when he was actively dying, he was on hospice, I like kind of shut a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. I really like was kind of rude to people, I guess you could say, um, and just kind of like, you know, teenage hormones, very like, as you can say, bitchy, I guess I was kind of rude. And my friend's mom got involved, which was very inappropriate because you're in ninth grade. But she actively called my mom and told my mom that you you need to get her help. Mm. And that was a lot for me. And my mom was like, what is going on? And like, she had no idea. And so I think her mom had a lot to do with it too. And then after that, this falling out with this one girl, like all my friends were like, nope, we can't be friends with her. Brutal. And yeah, it was brutal. Like, brutal. And like, especially when you're a freshman in high brutal. school, it's awful. I mean, that happened to me as a young adult. And I remember how brutal it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it's I mean, awful. forget it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, it's terrible. And then after I lost all my friends, I was like, how do I go back to school now? How do I enter that school and not have anybody to sit with at lunch? Mm. Like my whole world was like crumbling. I felt like, you know what I mean? And then, so my mom got me into therapy. All right. I was um, going to ask like, who knew? So my who mom, knew? when she got that phone call and right. she like sat down with me, she was like, what's really going on? I was like, I don't know. Just like all these emotions are popping up and I don't know how to deal with them. And she was like, okay, well, let's just get you into therapy. So she got me into therapy and my therapist in high school was amazing, but obviously my emotions got the best of me a lot. Again, once a week is not enough is my, I probably should have seen it three times a week. Yeah. How did like once a week become the standard? Exactly. Like so arbitrary. Need, exactly. Like I need twice a week or three times a week. I need like four times a day. Exactly. What, once, exactly. A, what's the, once a week. I need somebody like with me all the time. And so once a week isn't enough when you're going through like I mean, a crisis. I felt like I was in a crisis. The 10th grade like was just a horror show for me. I started cutting myself. Mm-hmm. So that's when it got really bad. So I started cutting because that took the pain away from everything. Mm-hmm. And no one knew about that because it was very hidden, long sleeves all the cut? time. Where did you cut yourself? Um, my arms and my hips. So like that was very hidden. My parents had no idea. Because again, I wore long sleeves. Like I wore polos and a kilt because it was a Catholic school. I was, it was completely hit. So 10th grade was just like such an up and down year. Um, my stomach was, I don't know what happened, but my stomach was not okay. Mm. I was constantly, this might be too much information, but like I was in and out of the bathroom. And then finally, um, my mom was like, okay, maybe it's not your anxiety. Maybe something else is going on. So that was also the year I got diagnosed with celiac disease, which is an autoimmune disorder when you're allergic to gluten. So I was like, okay, 
So I went on a gluten-free diet and my stomach was still a mess. So on top of having no friends, my stomach was, I was constantly in and out of the bathroom mm. at school too. Like I couldn't focus because Tenth my grade. stomach was, yeah, 10th grade. My stomach was always bothering me. So I took all the pain from my stomach and pain from life and just like used like my razors as my like best friend for the next year. And I, well, basically like three years, I told my therapist, obviously, and she was aware. My therapist obviously had my mom come in and we told her what I was doing. My mom was like, okay, so what do we do? Do we take the razors away? And I was like, yeah, but like, I also need to shave my legs and shave my armpits. And my mom was like, okay, so like, how do we work this? So my mom was never like gung-ho about taking the razors out. So I would always do it when I was in the shower. We tried our best to make it like that I wouldn't do it, but I had to do it. Like that was my one release in the day was to cut myself. That was going on. And then, and then my mom was like, okay, like, how are you doing? There was a couple months there where I didn't do it. Like my therapist was like, we were getting ways of like other things, like other, other coping mechanisms, like she taught me like the rubber band trick. And I was trying to like do other things to help me. I was like really trying my best. So my mom thought I stopped like completely. And then my mom realized how bad school was for me. And she was like, we need to transfer you. Mm. Like you need to get out of that environment. How old were you then? I was still in 10th grade, like probably the end of 10th grade. And my mom was like, we need to find you a new school. Like you need to get out of that environment, which was... I mean, good of her, but at the same time, like starting fresh when you're 11th grader is not the best, but I was so desperate to get out of that school that I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. So I interviewed with another Catholic school, co-ed, so a little bit better. So I got in there. So 11th grade, I was going to have to start all over again. So I was like, okay, the summer going into 11th grade, my mom really felt bad for the year I had. There was this leadership program and they were going to Europe. And so my mom was like, okay, like go to Europe. You can go to Europe. Like if you pay half and I pay half and you can go. And I was like, okay, like I'll go to Europe. It was a 19 day trip. And I remember on that trip, there was like an incident with one of the girls, two of the girls on the trip who I I wasn't really close with on the trip started a burn book. You could say, I know that it's terrible that like you would go on a trip for a leadership program, like representing our country in Europe, that (laughs) these girls started a burn book and it got around, like someone found it and took pictures of it and like finally came out about it. And there was like horrible stuff written about me. So basically I was diagnosed with celiac disease. Europe wasn't the best for food. Mm -hmm. So I really didn't eat much. Um, when I was there, because I was worried I was gonna have to be in the bathroom. So I didn't really eat much. These girls like slammed me for being anorexic. And they were like, this girl doesn't eat. She's so skinny. She's gross, like just these terrible things. And I was like, Oh, my God, it's happening again. Mm -hmm. Like girls don't like me. In high school, I wanted so bad to be liked by everyone. Like who doesn't in high school, Mm -hmm. but like, I was just a perfectionist. I wanted to be liked by everyone. So I got home and my mom was like, you're fine. You're fine. Like, just brush it off. It's okay. You had, you went to Europe. You were in Europe. Like, you should be grateful you went to Europe. Yeah, I should be. You're right. But back to cutting, I went because I was like, these girls like got to me and I had so much pain that I was like, I need to cut. So I was like, all right, like I'm starting a new school year. I can't cut. But the stress from the school year and like starting somewhere new got bad. 
And mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so just cut once a week. No, cut, cut once or twice. You're fine. I remember my first week of school. I don't know what I was thinking cutting on my wrists when like people were around. But my first week of school, one of the girls that I didn't know was like, what's on your wrist? And I was like, oh, nothing. I was like, it's fine. And like, she didn't say anything after, but like, I knew she knew. So that's when I knew I need to stop cutting because I was like, oh my God, people are going to notice and they're going to judge me. So I'll just cut on my hips from now on. I won't cut on my wrist. My therapist was like, okay, this is getting too much. Like, I think you need to go on medication. My mom was completely against medication. No medication. She mm. doesn't need medication. But like my therapist like took her in separately and was like, okay, she needs medication. And so my mom was like, okay. So she took me to the see a psychiatrist and you know, psychiatrist. It's a 10 minute thing. They never go in full depth with anything. And the woman just prescribed me the first SSRI that could pop up in the book, which mm-hmm. when you're in high school, and SSRIs mess with your hormones and everything. It's not a good thing. Mm. So I started taking Zoloft. The pressure of school like got bad. And that's when I first attempted. I was, I remember it was probably like October of 11th grade. I wrote a note. What'd you say? Um, gosh, it's, I'm going to start crying. No, you don't have to go there. It's just basically I was like, you know, I love you. I'm sorry, I have to do this. It's too much. So that night I I got like this like old metal. I get like got from soccer. And it was just like a rope. So I tried to hang myself, but something in me didn't want to go through with it. So I was like, okay, like you'll try again tomorrow. It's fine. So and then tomorrow came and you know, I had a job and so I went to work and everything was fine. I had that letter tucked away. Mm-hmm. And then like I came home from my like from soccer practice one day probably like a couple of days after I wrote that note and my dad was acting weird. He knew something, but like, and I was like, huh, this is weird. I was like, what's going on? Like, why are they being so weird to me? Like what ha- what's happening? So I worked at a pharmacy, like a small pharmacy. And my parents obviously had to drive me because I didn't get my license yet. So they picked me up and my mom just lost it, bawling her eyes out. And she was like, I saw your note. And I was like, what? Uh... Yeah. And she was like, I saw your note. And she's like, me and dad saw your note. And I was like, oh my God, I felt terrible. She just wouldn't stop crying. I got home and my dad was like, he was an absolute mess. And I was like, oh my God, like what is going on? So we had like a family sit down. My sister was in college at the time. So she, I don't think she even knows about this. And they just made me make a promise that like, if I ever felt like I was going to do this again, to let them know and to promise not to do anything to us because it would kill them and they would not be the same without me. After that, I was like, oh my God, like I really got to keep it together. Like I cannot do that again. It was just trying to deal with that after I really wanted to not be here anymore. But like, I knew I made this promise to them that like I had to keep it together whether it was cutting that I had to go back to, or it was, you know, just talking to my therapist more or being more open with my parents. That was really rough on like, Sounds rough. My fam- yeah, that was really rough. Like, I mean, on parents- everybody, you too. Yeah. So like my parents were all like, Oh my God, like this is real. And so my mom and I like used to fight a lot in high school, but I don't think she ever realized how real my depression was until she saw that note. It was kind of like a rude awakening for her. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but like, it was like almost like a weight lifted off of me because finally I felt like my parents got me. 
Like mm-hmm. I finally felt that like my parents wanted me to be here, which is like terrible to say. I finally felt like I was needed on this earth. Mm. So like that was the one thing that like prevented me from acting further when I was at home. You know, I never wanted to hurt them even more. I never wanted to do anything to hurt them. 11th grade happened and I was doing better. I went off my Zoloft and that seemed to help. And then I thought I was doing better. (laughs) Going into my senior year, I remember one day I was driving home from my friend's house that I was really close with in high school. I actually met a lot of good friends at the school that I transferred to. I was like, I want to drive my car off the road. Like, I can't do this anymore. All I could think about were like my mom's tears. And I was like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm just going to be really raw with you that like, I was also going through like an eating disorder at the time too. I basically like, I felt like my whole world was crumbling down and I just always wanted control in high school. So I could control not eating. Then I was not going to eat. So I was going through an eating disorder and all I wanted to do was, again, I had the suicidal ideations that he had. And so my mom wanted to be on top of it. She was like, we need to get you to see a doctor like immediately. So I went in to see a doctor from, you know, children's hospital. I told her like all my emotions and Mm. she was like, so you have two options. I either send you inpatient or you have to promise me that you will go see your therapist once a week for the rest of your senior year. And you do this DBT program. I was like, okay, like it's my senior year. I can't go inpatient. I I don't want people judging me for like not being in school. Like what would they ask me? Like I would have to tell them the truth. So of course I was like, okay, DBT it is. So I went to DBT for like about a month and that like really helped me with my coping mechanisms. I, they always had like a, a line that I could call that if I was ever in a crisis that they would walk me down from it, which was really nice. So that was super helpful. I was like doing somewhat better. I was gaining weight, which was uh, my eating disorder was getting better. And I was seeing this doctor that seemed to like really care about me and like wanted me to do better. So, and then, you know, I was applying for colleges and all I ever wanted to be was a nurse. Okay. Like I'm going to go to nursing school, but I like couldn't figure out where. And I was like, okay, I'll go to Washington DC. Why not? I loved the school. So I applied, I got in to Catholic university down in Washington, DC. And I was like, Oh my God, this will be a great fresh start. I won't have to worry about my past. No one's going to know me. This is going to be great. So I was like, okay, like whatever. And then I heard that the girls in high school that I was no longer friends with was going to this school. My mom was like, you cannot just go to it. You cannot just back out of this college of your dreams because this girl that you didn't get along with in high school is going to go. And I was like, okay, you're right. You're right. It's fine. But my first day of college, you bet I saw her and you bet all those, those emotions just came flying back. And then I started cutting again. So I always knew that like, I was going to have to see a therapist in college. So I was like, okay, like I'll go to see a therapist. Like it will be fine. My therapist is like, I'm really worried about you. This is not okay. Like your emotions are really scaring me. And we were right near the train tracks. I was like, all I really want to do is lie down. Mm. And I remember like, I finally opened up to my mom again. And I was like, I'm not doing well. She was like, I'm coming down. She's like, that's it. I'm coming down. So she came down and like, we had a conversation and she was like, you need to come back with me. And I was like, I cannot come back. Like, 
I'm so school driven. Like I was like, I need to finish this semester and then I can come back. But my therapist was like, Haley, like you need to take a leave of absence. Like this is not okay. And I was like, no, like let me finish this semester. And then I'll like think about taking a leave. I would call my mom every night and just fall on the phone with her, like about how I didn't want to be here anymore. I didn't realize how emotional I would get. Sorry. (laughs) And she was like, oh my gosh, Haley, like she just felt terrible. But I almost felt like our relationship was getting better because she was always the one that I would call. Like she would never not answer. She knew what I was going through every night. You bet she would answer immediately. And I would just like tell her all my emotions and she would be my person, which was so refreshing. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was so nice to have that, that person. And so I remember one time my mom didn't answer me and I think she was at work and I was really like going through a rough time. So I called my sister and I was like, okay, I'm going to open up to Lindsay. Like, I'm going to tell her how I'm feeling. And I remember like bawling on the phone to her, like about how I'm not doing okay. And, and I remember those words. She said, suck it up. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, you have no idea like what you're putting our parents through, like all this different stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I really like am a terrible person. I felt like I was letting every person in my life down, like with what I was going through. I remember like calling my mom, my mom called me back because she was always the person to like, be like, what's going on? Are you all right? And so I told her what happened and she's like, she didn't mean it. She's, you know her, she's in college. Like she's three years older than you. She has her own stuff to deal with. Just let her be. But like, after she said all that, I was like, I can't ever talk to her again. I can't like open up about my truth Mm -hmm. about anything to this day. have never told her like everything. She made it very clear that she didn't want to hear it. Exactly. I'm not- exactly. So I finally came home from college. I ended up like just going to a community school near me. And, you know, I really felt like I was improving, mm. you know, once I got home from college and I was with my family who always could keep their eyes on me. They were always there for me. My mom and my dad were like, like I said, the reason why I'm here because without having my mom to call every night at college or I would not be here. You think you would have killed yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You would have completed that act? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I was so down. Like, I was just in this, like, crisis of my life. I felt like I felt like I had no one to turn to. Because, I mean, in college, you're just meeting new people. Like, you can't open up to people. Like, you never felt comfortable. I really had no one besides my mom. And so, like, my mom was my saving grace. Absolutely. She was my number one person. As much as she tries to put it in the past, like it's not in the past. It's still here, but I'm doing okay. But like without her in college and high school, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. Like I truly don't believe that. So So did you finish school? I did. Yes, I did. I actually got in as a transfer to a nursing school around me in mass. I finished nursing school and I'm a nurse. Nice. What kind of nurse? I was actually at working at Mass General, and then I ended up moving up to New Hampshire, and now I'm doing oncology. So you ultimately, you'd had that one attempt. Yes. And then you had, it sounds like you were really close for a nice chunk of time. Yes. But you didn't for, try again. I didn't. I have my mom to thank for that. There were so many times where, like I said, we were the campus in Washington, D.C. was right on the railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. There was so many times I was on the phone with my mom walking over to there 
Mm. And she she didn't. She would always bring me back to life. Like she would be like, okay. I know that's kind kind of sounds like corny, but like she did. She was always that person to be like, okay, what's going on? Talk about your thoughts. Like what's what's really happening? My therapist in college was unreal too. He made me do this like list of five things to do before I kill myself. And I know that sounds insane, but that list helped. What was on and the list? So number one was to look at this video of my nephew. Well, he's not my nephew. He's my cousin's um, son. And it was him like, like giving me a kiss on the cheek. I used to watch him all the time in high school. And he was my little like best friend. He was so cute. So like, I would always watch that video. And then if that didn't work, I would call my mom. And then if my mom didn't answer, I would call my dad. I'm trying to think with the, oh, I would journal. I would like write down all my thoughts of like, like 10 things I'm grateful for. And those five things really helped me like stay on track. Mm-hmm. And most likely my mom would always answer or that video of like uh, my cousin's ch- um, child would always lift me up because it just seeing that and seeing his love for me and like how much, you know, I truly felt like I made a difference in his life, like growing up that, you know, I had a reason to live. So mm-hmm. like, those were the biggest things for me. When you talk to your parents after they found the note, right? Yeah. And they said, promise us you're never going to do it again. But if you are coming that close, you got to tell us something like that, right? Yeah. I, they, I know they may be listening. So this might not be a question you want to answer. What would you have wanted them to say in that moment? Um, that we're here for you. We're going to get you the help that you need. You're never going to be alone again. You are so loved and that you are needed in this earth. Like you were needed here. And those would have been what I needed exactly at that moment. I mean, yeah, I got you were loved and that you were needed, but I got that one time and then I never got it again. Right, right. You know what what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, it's not, I'm not pointing any fingers, but people tend to approach this as like sort of don't do it. Call me before you do it, but I'm not really going to be there for you so that you're not in the position to not do it. Exactly. Like you could help me be better. And now you're just off. Now I'm not, this isn't your parents, just sort of, but so you're offering me, okay, call you before I do it, but you could maybe help me not get to that place. Exactly. That crisis. And I understand, but like, it made me feel like in that moment when I saw my mom crying and like telling her what I would do to that family made Mm -hmm. me feel like a terrible person, which is not what I needed at the time. I needed love and I needed somebody there for me and hugging me and telling me it's going to be okay. And that they're going to always be there for me. And what I got was you're a ter- basically you're a terrible person, which really doesn't work. Yeah. Which really sucked. And it doesn't work. And I like tried to make peace with everything, but I just couldn't. And to this day, I can't, I talk to my therapist about it all the time. I'm like, I don't know how to be okay with trying to be okay around my family all the time. I'm not always okay. And I'm, and this is an uphill battle for me. Like this is something I face on a daily basis mm-hmm. and my anxiety is never going to get better or it will hopefully, but like, I am always fighting anxiety and depression. And it's like, I'm going to have days where I'm not going to get out of bed. What my mom and my parents and my family thinks is that I'm just fixed and that I'm okay, which it's really unfair. And it sounds like the only thing that would make it clear to them that you're not okay is if you tried to kill yourself. 
Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which at this point in my life, I'm not thinking about that and I haven't thought about it. Mm. And over, I want to say two years now, which is really good. Great. <laughs> and I'm really proud of myself that I haven't had those ideations. It's probably been, yeah, a good two to three years. What do you think's changed? I think I'm on the right meds, <laughs> which is helping. And does your mom know that you're on meds? Yeah, she does. She's still, I always am like, I think I need to go up on my anxiety meds. And she's like, well, why don't you try acupuncture? And why don't you try this? And I'm like, okay, but like, that's not going to be a fix. And I understand I am all about being on medication. And I know medication is not going to fix me. And it's not going to put me back together. But I know it's going to help. It's going to take the edge off. So yeah, she knows, but she's not happy with it. But at this point, it's my life. And I'm 24 years old now. So I need to do what's best for me. I see a therapist every week, which is so important. DBT helped me with some coping mechanisms for sure. But I'm trying to just do more things like for me. Such as? I would like to work out, which is big. That helps me get my mind off of everything. I've been getting into reading recently, which kind of helps me go to a different place. Because at least I'm reading. I'm not thinking about like everything that's going on in my head. I honestly... I'm trying to find where I belong in nursing, which is, has been really tough and a struggle for me because I, you know, I don't always love my job, which is also really hard for me, but I know that this is what I was meant to do. So I, like, I always feel like I just am looking for my place in nursing, which is huge. I have days where my head's about to explode and my anxiety's racing through my (laughs) veins and I can't do this anymore, but I have my therapist and I write down my thoughts. And I kind of just like let it out on paper or like I do it on my phone. So no one finds my journal. (laughs) Why did you move to New Hampshire? So um, I have a boyfriend and we've been together for almost two years. And so we moved in together and my sister lives up here. So I'm trying to build a better relationship with my sister. So I was like, why don't we just try something new? And we both wanted, he's a nurse too. And we both wanted to find like another nursing job. So we went together. Does he know? He does. And he's so supportive of me. I don't think he knows. He knows the majority of it. He doesn't know like in depth everything. When So when we first were dating, I didn't tell him anything. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't open up about my depression. I wouldn't let him know how I was feeling ever. I felt like such a bad girlfriend on my part because I was like, I wasn't truly being open with him. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't telling everything. So and then we broke up and I was like, just like reflecting on my relationship with my therapist. And my therapist was like, she made a good point. She's like, you know, relationships work two ways. Like he could have always asked you questions, but it was unfair for you for not like letting him in because Mm -hmm. you deserve someone like that's always going to be there for you. And you need to let people in. I know this sounds insane, but like after those girls and after I opened up to them about my depression and they just kind of wanted nothing to do with me, I've had such a hard time opening up about my past to anybody. That sounds the opposite of insane to me. That sounds (laughs) extraordinarily sane and logical and understandable and reasonable completely. Yeah. I always felt like I was a burden to somebody Hmm. and especially to my boyfriend. And then we started talking again and I told him everything. I Mm. told him everything. And I was like, this is the way I was feeling in our relationship. And this is everything. This is my load. And I need to release it. And he was like, 
I had no idea. He was like, I wish you would have told me sooner. This is exactly what I needed because he's been there for me. I have days where I can truly talk about my emotions with him and he gets me and he just balances me, which is so nice because he knows when I'm having like an anxious moment. And he's like, he literally comes over to me and he's like, all right, let's talk. Let's talk about this. And, And he's like, what can we do to like get past this? And it's so refreshing because I know that I can always be real and raw with him. It's awesome. Yeah. But it took me a while to get there. Yeah. And I think it's still, it's still taking me a while to be real with people, which kind of stinks because it would be nice to tell my story and be real and open with people. But I don't know. It's just, it's been a long time coming. And I felt like doing this with you that I was like, okay, this is my time to be real and raw. Like, and for people to like, maybe not physically telling them, but maybe they can hear it. Yeah. And be like, oh my gosh, like I had no idea. Yeah. We don't like, we don't know who will hear it. No, exactly. And I, I was so closeted. Like I, I wanted not, I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want people to judge me. I didn't want people to be like, what's wrong with you. And I don't know. I just always felt like that judgment from everyone. So. Yeah. I mean, it's probably step by step here, right? You know, exactly. Start to open up to one person and you get a little bit more comfortable and you do something like this. And then there might be more stuff. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. So where do you think this is going to be a really tricky question? I only have a couple more. How do you think the story continues? I was going to say ends, but that's a little dark. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a great question. I, I truly don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. I hope my story is just, I hope that I'm able to truly be open with people and tell people my truth and be there for people that are going through the same thing that I went through. I think that's one of the reasons I became a nurse was because I know what it's like to be in the dark and and to suffer. And I want to be there to help people. Mm. I've always wanted to help people. And I just feel like this is like a great place to do it. I hope that, you know, I eventually can get married and have kids and be able to tell my kids about my past and be open and just let my kids always know that I'm there for them and that they're never alone. Always reinforce the importance of sharing your thoughts and be real with people. And that's mm-hmm. what I need. Like, and I also have a hard time living in the moment and I would love to learn to be, to live in the moment more because <laughs> it's the hardest thing when your anxiety is racing and yeah. you can't live in the moment because you're like, Oh my God, what's going to happen tomorrow. And, right. and that's the hardest thing for me is like, I'm just always thinking about the future that I can't like reel myself in. And she's like, why can't I just be here? Those are the biggest Mm. things. Those are big. Yeah. So uh, we never know who's listening, right? Yeah. We, 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 maybe a few people in your life might be, uh, but most of them strangers. Yeah. No idea who they are, where they are, what they might need. Uh, But do you have, as a very broad question and also a really hard question, anything you want to share with them? The biggest thing that when I was going through something that I always needed to hear was that you are so loved in this life and you are so needed because everyone on this earth is put here for a reason. The biggest thing is like you are everything and you are so loved and that you are not alone. There's always somebody here that you can talk to, whether it's a therapist or a family member or a friend. It's just that you were not alone and you were loved. Like those are the two biggest quotes that like I try to live by it's really tricky when people feel alone and don't feel loved the words aren't enough they're not and I felt the same exact way too is that I never felt like anybody ever loved me and that 
I was just so alone in life. It just, you're right. Like the words are not enough. But it's a start. It's something. I like have to repeatedly tell myself that because as much as I like hate myself at times, I have to be like, I have to look at myself in the mirror and be like, I love you. Like Mm -hmm. you are great. You made it through so many battles and that you can do this. I think those are the biggest things. And like, I, I have to admit, I struggle doing that. I hate looking at myself in the mirror, but those three things that I just said are so important for me to know. And as much as you hate seeing, saying those words, they get easier day by day. Also journaling helps too. As much as I like am an advocate for it, I don't do it enough, but it's awesome. Journaling is the best because then you yeah. truly can put your emotions on paper and just write it all down and just set it aside and leave it alone for a few. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing the story. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. And I appreciate. Yeah. I know this is just the tough stories. There's a tough story. Yes. Uh, you know. Yeah. I got a little too emotional, but I just feel like I haven't told this story in a long time. Honestly, no one's really asked me like how I tried. Ever. Really? Is that one time one of my psychiatrists did and I was like so shocked, but like even like professional help like has never asked me besides my one psychiatrist can't ask that question Nelly. i know it's like who the fuck said that exactly like ask who me said like, i can't ask you about your suicide i mean like you want to talk about it all i want to hear it exactly it's a part of a larger conversation how'd you try why wouldn't i want exactly. to know like why wouldn't people want to know that exactly i don't know like, exactly. I, think I know it's just like really want to talk about it not everybody i mean there's plenty of people who would never come on this podcast if they even know about it, but some do and they want to talk about it. And I know there's a lot of people that want to hear these stories. Exactly. And people need to hear this story. Yeah. They need to hear these stories to know that they're not alone. And that like, if somebody can battle it, then they can battle it too. It, it certainly is something. It helps. It does help. Yeah. Feeling sure. like you're alone is got to be about the worst feeling in the world. Oh my gosh. It's, it's awful. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just, and you can't like unthink that thought. Like it's just constant and it's always in your head. Yeah. It's refreshing when you have your person and you find that person that, that you're always like, you can always reach out to when you're in like a crisis. Like I have this one friend who went through the same exact thing I did. And we always text each other when we're in a crisis Mm. and we always calm each other down. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure sometimes it can be toxic. She is like the absolute best person for me. And she gets it because I know she does. She's yeah. been through the same exact thing. So, yeah. And I also know that like not talking about it is probably more toxic. Exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, sure. Whatever. Judge it if you want. Maybe it's a little toxic, but I know holding things in and ruminating and yeah, that's not going to work. No, it's not good. And you need to talk about it. Because the only way that you're going to get through it is by talking about it. Right. And I think when you do something like this, I think among other things, people hear it. Most people don't reach out to me and tell me this occasionally. But you know, man, just, hey, even if I'll never talk to or meet Haley, like there's, I feel a little bit less alone. Exactly. You know, I tried when I was in high school or those girls were really mean to me or my anxiety was through the roof or I was a cutter, whatever. Yeah. It helps. It helps me. Is it enough? Is it? No, probably not just that. No, but look, you just try to find these little things that make things a little less shitty 
Exactly. Exactly. And then maybe uh, that adds up to enough of not shitty where one day it's like, I don't want to kill myself. Exactly. And then maybe you have a few of those days in a row and it's maybe a life that you want to live. I think the biggest thing too is like finding the appropriate person to talk about it with. Like I said, I found my person and you're and not everyone's going to find their person. Truth. But I think the hardest thing too, is like being that person for yourself too, is loving yourself and realizing how amazing you are because you went through such an uphill battle with everything that you can get through this. And I think that's what I keep telling myself too, even like now is that like, I've been through so much I, as much as I hate admitting it, but like, I've been through a lot, like yeah. more than a lot of people have been, I thought through it and I'm here. Yeah. And I like to say that like, I'm a fighter and that I'm a warrior because I made it through everything before I would never be able to tell my stuff, my, um, myself that. Ever. Well, I mean, we, we suck ass <laughs> as a culture in, in telling people that, Hey, what you went through was hard and you're, you're strong. You don't like to do that. No, you're, you're strong and awesome. If you study hard or you, exactly. you, you know, you uh, had a f- athletic prowess, but not the, the struggle to sometimes, and I'll very explicitly say like, just to not kill yourself is an astoundingly difficult struggle. Exactly. You don't really give people a lot of credit for that. So why would you think that? No one told you that. Who told which you is that? So, which is so unfair. Like that as a a culture, we should be telling people that like we should be throwing, like shouting it from the rooftops. Like that's so important. But that's what you're doing right now. During the pandemic, everyone was going through a rough patch. I think we all are still going through rough patches. I remember this. I used to live in a small town in Massachusetts and I don't know who they were, but they just put up signs. It says on these signs, you are not alone. You are worth it. You are loved. And they just put it all throughout town. And I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> I was like, why didn't people, why don't people do this every day? Mm. Like, that's what we should be telling people on a daily basis. Like we should be telling the people that we loved how loved they are. I wish I could reach out my hand to everyone and tell everyone how loved they are and how much they deserve to live this life. Mm. I know I'm only one person. I can't do that for everyone, but right. hopefully yeah. by telling this story, that people will realize that like they are not alone and that if I can do it, you can do it. And that's literally what I used to tell people like through nursing school. I'd be like, if I can go through nursing school, so can you. Mm. And like, if I can do th- go through this, then so can you, you got this, like you are a fighter and keep fighting and you're a warrior. I always say, I, I often say this and I, there's, I've never figured out the right words or how to do it. So I'll just say it. Like, I'm glad that you, your attempt didn't work out. Me too. Yeah. Thank you. Here and you're doing your thing and you're paying it forward or whatever. Like that's kind of what we're doing here, right? Yeah. You're helping, which is good. And I, and so are you. Like, I really appreciate this. This is the most that I've truly talked about everything with anybody. And I just, I really appreciate you being here and listening to my story and to listening to so many other people's stories. These people need you and these people need to hear. And I'm sure no one tells you this enough, but you are needed too. And this is so important. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't know how it ended. I, I, I know how and why it came to be. You know, I've, it's a sort of blessing. Yeah. And so you do what you got to do if you feel like it's the thing you need to be doing. Exactly. Um, and so that's what you're doing and what I'm doing. And we're trying. And hopefully after this, when people hear it, 
<laughs> my cynical New York way will say, I hope, just, I hope you just feel a little less shitty. I'm not the guy <laughs> to think that you're going to feel amazing tonight after. Oh my God, everything's amazing. Nah. No. I hope whoever's hearing this, you feel a little less shitty. That's my goal. I hope maybe exactly. you have dreams for them. Mine's like, just a little less shitty. Perfect. I love it. <laughs> Anything else? No, thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me. Awesome. Right. Thank you. Have Bye. a good day, Haley. I'll talk you to too. you. You're welcome. Okay. Bye. You too. Bye. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support and special thanks to Haley up in New Hampshire. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to share your story, I'd love to talk. Please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com or on Facebook, Twitter, at Suicide Noted. That is all for episode number 55. Stay strong. Do the very best you can. I'll talk to you soon.